Welcome to this week's podcast from the Equipping Center. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Jacob Biswell. All right. Colossians 2, 14 and 15. That's where we're going to be this morning. Be up on the screen for you. Colossians 2, 14 and 15. Having canceled the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, when he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for the resurrected Christ. Jesus, thank you for taking our place on that cross. Thank you for nailing our sins to the cross with you. Father, I thank you this morning that we would encounter your word. We would encounter your presence, God. Father, I thank you so much for your presence in this room this morning. And I thank you, Father, that you're drawing us close to you. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, we, we celebrate the resurrection because it actually happened. That is the, the one thing that distinguishes uh, believers in Christ from every other uh, religion, from every other way of life, is that Jesus came and took our place on a cross. And not only did He die, but He was resurrected. And this verse in Colossians, clearly something powerful happened when Jesus died on that cross and then was raised from the dead. I want to kind of walk us through that this morning. What does it really mean when Jesus died on the cross? And what did he really accomplish by dying a martyr's death, by dying a criminal's death? So to understand the meaning of Jesus' death is we have to go back to the very beginning. Man was in the garden. Adam and Eve were there in that perfect place. I mean, if, if you could picture the idea of perfection this morning, that's where they were. They were in a perfect place. There was no sin. Sin had not yet entered the heart of man. They were in this incredible place where God literally walked with them in the cool of the day. God would come down and walk with man in the cool of the day. And then sin enters the picture. Sin is then transferred to all of mankind. However, there is a divine courtroom of heaven where there is a law that is always in existence. See, if we go to Ezekiel 18.20, it says this, that the person who sins will die. A son will not suffer the punishment for the father's guilt. And it goes on, but in here it says, the person who sins will die. So Adam and Eve had sinned, man has sinned, and the result is that you and I are on trial for our sin, and God is the judge. Our sins against God are capital crimes. God Himself is our judge, and according to divine law, our sin deserves the death penalty. Death in a spiritual sense means eternal separation from God in unending torment. We cannot deny this fact that eternity away from God is hell. But He provided a way. So with this in operation, we have to understand no one is innocent. Not you, not me. No one is innocent. No one is, is exempt from this. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That is true for every single person and, and everyone deserves death. And yet, the real thing is that God had a purpose for mankind 
from the very beginning, and he desired fellowship with you and I from the very beginning. And so this divine law was at work in humanity. This divine law is still at work in humanity that sin requires death. And that role of fellowshipping with God remained on the heart of God, even though separation had taken place. And the result was that God established in the Old Testament a substitutionary sacrifice and death. And so we can read through the Old Testament and we can see that they had to make animal sacrifices and there were all sorts of rituals around this. But all of creation was looking to a day where the perfect sacrifice that could be accepted by God, a single once and for all sacrifice. All of creation was longing for that day. And that sacrifice was God's only son, Jesus. That sacrifice was found in Jesus. And for God, this satisfied the demands of the law of sin, of death. This acceptable death was found in the person of Jesus. And by our acceptance of this sacrifice and applying that sacrifice to our lives by asking for forgiveness and by faith receiving cleansing from sin by the blood of Jesus, we are forgiven, our sins are removed, and we receive His righteousness. What an incredible gift that His sacrifice has been made. And that's the story of Easter in the very simple form. But I want to talk about not just that story, but what is the result of that story? What is available to the believer? What is accomplished? As we read in Colossians, we were dead but made alive. Canceled out the list of debts against us. It disarmed demonic rulers and authorities and it stripped them of power over us. Let me say this to you this morning, that when you come into a relationship with Christ, hell can't touch you. A couple people got it this morning. Basically, the power the enemy had was the power of death. Death both physically and spiritually. But Jesus, when he dies, the devil thinks he has triumphed. I love that song we sang this morning. That there was this time and then the ground began to shake. And so when in reality, while the enemy thought he had won, God then raised Christ from the dead. And the power that the enemy had is stripped from him because Jesus broke that power. And the result is this Revelation 1, 17 and 18. When I saw him, I fell at his feet like a dead man. And he placed his right hand on me saying, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last and the living one. And I was dead and behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and of Hades. When mankind fell into sin, Satan grabbed dominion over the earth and something that was something that God had intended for mankind, that we would walk in dominion on the earth and Satan kept mankind under his power. But when Jesus died and rose again for the sins of mankind, he effectively stripped the devil of his hold over mankind through hell and death. 
And by His death and resurrection, Jesus released mankind from captivity of the enemy. We are no longer prisoners of sin and death. God gave people the opportunity to be set free and have victory. So Jesus now had the keys of death and of hell. And to understand this, we have to understand the concept of someone having keys. A person with a set of keys has the means and the power to open something which is locked and to lock something which is open. My 17-year-old over there is learning to drive. And so when I hand him the keys, he can hold on to them and do nothing with them. That's what I hope for. But he could get behind that car or get into that car and get behind that wheel and he can slowly move that car. And he can slowly take authority over that wheel and over that gas pedal. And I pray he does not have a heavy foot like I do. That is my constant prayer. Lord, let his foot be light and his eyes be watchful. But when we have keys to something, when I hand over the keys to the church to someone, they have the authority to enter at will. And they have authority to lock it up. And so those keys are not available to everyone. I won't hand my car keys to someone on the street and say, here, take my car. I would hand my keys to someone that I trust. And so Jesus takes these keys and in this concept who, where He was once raised from the dead and has now had these keys, He has those keys and He gives them to you and me. He has given us the keys of authority over death and over hell. And faith in Christ now means He takes those keys, holding us in the power of the enemy, and unlocks those doors and sets us free. And I want to say to you this morning that there may be areas of your heart that are still locked up. There may be areas of your body that are still locked up, but Jesus has the keys and He's ready to unlock it. Colossians 2.15, when he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. The enemy is disarmed. The imprisonment now canceled over our lives. And Jesus uses the keys of authority and power to release us from the imprisonment of sin and death. And the result is this, Romans 8.2. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and of death. Galatians 5.1. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. I don't know where you are this morning in your journey of following Christ or coming to know Him. You might be on the other side of not having made that decision to let Him set you free this morning. And if that's you, I'm going to talk to you in just a few minutes. And you might be on the side that you've chosen to let Him set you free, but there are still areas of your heart and of your life that He is yet to 
set free. And God wants to open that up to you this morning to set you free from those things that have captured your heart. Because it says right here, do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. When we become a believer in Christ, we are no longer a sinner. Our identity changes. We become a new creation. I'm not a sinner saved by grace. I am a new creation. My old is past and the new has come. And that's what God wants to do in your life this morning. Slavery being a slave to sin and death, a slave to Satan and his demonic forces. But Romans 6, 17 and 18 promises us this. But thanks be to God, though you were slaves of sin, you became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching to which you were committed. And having been freed from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. The only slave I want to be is a slave to righteousness. The only prisoner I want to be is a prisoner who is captured by hope. I want to be a prisoner of his presence. And in one of the most amazing pictures, and in fact, the events of Jesus's death is found here in Mark 15. Verse 34 is where we'll start. At the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is translated, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And when some of the bystanders heard him, they began saying, look, he is calling for Elijah. And someone ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on a reed and gave him a drink, saying, let us see if Elijah comes down to take him. But Jesus let out a loud cry. And in another passage, it says, and he cried out, it is finished. And the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who was standing right in front of him saw that he died in this way, he said, truly, this man was the son of God. The thing that separated man from God was torn from top to bottom, impossible by man's standards. But God did something that day to give us an entry point into his presence and a life with him. He ripped the veil that separated us from him from top to bottom, and so demonstrating that the separation between man and God has now been taken away. Through the death of Christ, the breaking of the power of sin and death, free access to God is now made available to all who would accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. As I start to close this morning, Amber is going to put on a song. I'm going to share a few more things and then we're going to pray. Easter is a triumphal reality. It is a reality that Jesus triumphed on my behalf, on your behalf, and for all of humanity. Christ died for us. You can pull it back some. Paid the penalty for our sin. Gave to us His righteousness. And now the way freely opened for our access to God. Ephesians 2. Amber, if you'll put it up for me. But God, being rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our wrongdoings, made us alive together. With Christ, by grace you have been saved and raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus 
so that in the ages to come, he might show the boundless riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Mentioned a few minutes ago, there's two groups really that I'm speaking to this morning. The first group, I want to say to you, if you've never made a decision to follow Christ this morning, he's rich in mercy. I'll never forget when I fully encountered that mercy. When I fully encountered. People around this room this morning can tell you of the moment when they met Jesus. Pastor Hector was a devout atheist. He could convince people not to believe in Jesus. And yet he encountered the Lord. I can remember the day when Jeannie said, I I finally really met him. It was an encounter of his presence. I can tell you when Pastor Anna was getting ready to go to a party where the rest of her friends that night tried meth for the first time. And she was in her bedroom and she, she was laying on her bed and God was saying, come to me. She had an encounter with the Lord on her bed, shaking as she said, but God, I don't want to give up all this other stuff. And it set her on an adventure. She's been serving Christ for 15 odd years now. When we come to Christ, it's not because we're worthy to come to Him, but it's because He took our place of unworthiness. And He said, I'll become unworthy on the cross. I'll take all your sin, all your shame, all your griefs, and I'll bear them for you. If you've never made that decision this morning, just a moment, I'm going to ask all of us to stand. When we do, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. This is a private moment between you and God. The invitation is being laid out. If you've never given your life to Jesus, in just a moment, I'm going to give that invitation. Will you all stand with me this morning? With every head bowed, I'm going to ask no one looking around. I want this just between each individual and God. If you've never made a decision to follow Jesus this morning, it's a simple, simple entry point. We have to repent of our sins. Repentance means to change our thinking, to ask forgiveness. This morning, we're going to ask God forgiveness for our sins. We're going to surrender our life to Him. And in surrendering our life to Him, we're entering into a love relationship with God that can't be compared. If you've never made a decision for Him this morning and you want to do that, we're going to pray together in just a moment. With no one looking around, I want you to just slip up your hand. If you want to make that decision this morning. Maybe you've been far from God for a while and you feel like your relationship with Him has dwindled away and you want to recommit your life to Him this morning. This applies to you as well. We're all going to pray together. We're all going to pray this prayer, but I want to know specifically this morning if you want to give your life to Jesus or recommit your life. If that's you this morning, just signal me by raising your hand. Nobody's looking. I see that hand. See those hands. Right, we're going to pray this morning. I want you to pray with me. Jesus, I repent of my sin. I'm sorry, God, for the things I've done that have made me far from you. But Jesus, thank you for taking my place on the cross. I'm so thankful this morning. And I choose to follow you.
today I'm a new creation. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. To stay connected, follow us on Instagram or Facebook or visit www.equippingcenter.us.